Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. I am going to talk about the perfect blend of politics and religion. You know, it's interesting. The, the, the topics that they tell you not to talk about in the public uh, place is t- two of those are politics and religion. And I'm going to thread the needle and talk about both of them today. All right. And so here's the reality that, uh, you know, the church is not neutral when it comes to politics. The gospel is not neutral when it comes to politics. And so what I want to do is I want to share with you a message that Jesus shared with his followers. And I believe that this message was to us. We're talked about in this message. And I want to share that with you. And I hope that by the time we get to the end of this message, you will realize that politics and religion can go hand in hand. Politics and religion um, is with each other on a daily basis. And so before I get begin, uh, begin this, let me uh, just, let's all go in prayer. And here's what I ask you to pray about. Ask God to open up your heart and make it sensitive to his message about the perfect blend of religion and politics. God, I thank you so much for a church that's on mission. I thank you for a church that's making a difference in our community. And God, I thank you for a church that cares and loves and, and wants to uh, help God, now I ask that your Holy Spirit, just as we prayed a few minutes ago, is here, that the presence is felt, that our hearts would be open and listen to the message that you have given me to share. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, uh, today's message is super simple. I'm going to share with you three different points, all right? And the first point that I want to share with you is this, that we are going to disagree politically. All right, no shock there. Um, years ago, you probably attended a church and you would think that everybody is in the same boat when it comes to politics. And the reality is that you weren't. The, the, the difference was, is that what you didn't have was you didn't have um, people who were, you didn't have people, I mean, listen to myself preach. Um, you didn't have people <laughs> who were vocal about their dissenting political view. The church has always had, uh, as long as America's had two parties, the church has had two parties represented. The problem is that a lot of times we kept silent if we felt like we were in the minority of one of those two sides. And with the advent of social media, now we know uh, exactly where most people in the church stand. And here's what I would tell you, is that we're not the first generation to disagree politically. Matter of fact, Jesus talked about this. In the book of John, chapter 17 and verse 1, uh, he said these words to his, uh, as he's praying to God. Father, the hour has come. He's getting ready to go to the crucifixion. And this is what Jesus Christ prayed. Glorify your son that your son may glorify 
you. And then he continues in, later on in that chapter in verse 11 with these words. He says, I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. Who is the they that he's referring to in that passage? He's referring to his disciples, the 12 who followed him the closest. Let me tell you a little bit about these guys. You know, the, the one that's probably everybody knows about is Peter. Peter, the guy who uh, had the problem of foot and mouth disease. He was the one who was the first to say, Jesus, I will go with you to the death and the last one that was there by the cross. He's the first one that says, call unto me and I'll come to you. And then he's sinking before he gets to Jesus. See, Peter had a problem that many of us have, and that is he put his views out there very loud and very vocally, and yet he fell on his face many times. But you see what Peter was? Peter was a leader. And Jesus identified that. And that same guy who was a failure, that same guy who struggled with actually following through on the verbal commitments that he made, that same guy, Jesus said, I name you Rock, and upon this rock I'll build my church. Well, Peter had a brother, and his brother's name was Andrew. You know, Andrew doesn't get a lot of limelight in Scripture, but Andrew was the first disciple to follow Jesus. Uh, Andrew was actually a disciple of John the Baptist. And one day he's with John the Baptist, and John the Baptist says, there goes the Son of God, the Messiah. And so a group of them followed Jesus, and one of those was Andrew. And what did he do? He went back and told his family. And he told his brother. And one day Jesus is walking along the the shore and he sees Andrew cleaning his nets. And he ends up getting into the boat of Peter and Andrews. And he preaches a powerful message. And then ultimately they cast out and Peter sees God work. Well, there's another guy in that 12 disciples and his name was Nathaniel. And Nathaniel was a skeptic. Nathaniel, in matter of fact, there's a quote in John chapter 1 where Nathaniel, when what he was told by Philip about Jesus Christ, about the, the, the Messiah who's come, here's what Nathaniel said. He said, nothing good has come from Nazareth. But here's what's interesting. Three verses later in that same chapter, Nathaniel professes to Jesus, you are the Son of God. Well, if you continue to look at the list of the disciples, there was one guy named Bartholomew. Bartholomew was rich. His family had wealth. They owned lots of land and property. You know, it's a lot of times when we look at Scripture and we see the rich who encounter Jesus usually don't make it beyond that encounter. But yet Bartholomew was one of his disciples. Bartholomew followed him. Bartholomew used his time, talent, and treasures for the kingdom of God. And then maybe one of my favorite disciples is Philip. Philip is the guy that everybody likes. Philip is the guy that everybody wanted. Was, it's easy to talk to. Philip was the guy who was filled of, of mercy. Philip was the guy that was bringing people to Jesus. Matter of fact, one of the most uh, powerful statements that was recorded in Scripture by Philip was this. When, when people would ask about Jesus because you, you didn't want to go and talk to Peter or Andrew because they were a little over the top. When you had questions and you were afraid that you might have a dissenting view, you went to Philip. 
And Philip would make you feel uh, special. He would make you feel good about where you stood. And then he would say these words, come and see and introduce you to Jesus Christ. There's another two guys that were brothers. Their names were James and John. These guys were notorious because Jesus called them the sons of thunder. All right. Now, they didn't get that name because uh, of good deeds that they've done. Uh, James and John were obnoxious. James and John were over the top when it came to uh, saying things. Matter of fact, James was recorded in when uh, he was with Jesus and the disciples were with Jesus and they went into a town and they were basically rejected. And James said to Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven and destroy them. That's James, one of the sons of thunder. And then not only was uh, there James, but there was his brother John. And John, it was incredible. John is the beloved disciple. Now, you know who was writing, who, who called John the beloved disciple? John. He never referred to himself in first person. He was always third person. John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Yeah, John, the son of thunder. John, the obnoxious one. John, the one who would get in your face even if he was wrong. John, the one who was at the cross, when Jesus looked down and said, sons, see your mother. Mother, see your son. Keep going down the list. There's a guy that all of us know and none of us want to, and that is Judas Iscariot. The betrayer, the schemer, the conniver. Then there was a guy named Thomas. Now, many of you have gone through high school or you have nicknames. Thomas had a nickname. It was Doubting Thomas. To this day, thousands of years later, two decades, we are calling him Doubting Thomas. And I think that there are people in this audience, there are people that are watching today from home, and they identify with Doubting Thomas. They know what it's like to to read the scripture. They know what it's like to hear the words and not be sure. They heard um, from, uh, uh, Thomas heard from his fellow disciples that Christ has arisen. And he says, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. And then about that time, Jesus appears and says, Thomas, touch me. Put your hand in my side. Feel the holes And then he says these words, more blessed are those who will believe who haven't seen. There's another guy named Thaddeus. And you you don't really know him as Thaddeus. What you've heard about, his name was Judas. There there was a a couple of them. But uh, as you can imagine, as the the Bible was being written, uh, people whose name was Judas really didn't want that to be known by anybody else. And so he took on the name Thaddeus. And... um, Another name that he was called by was Jude, and he wrote the book of Jude. You see, Thaddeus was uh, special. Thaddeus would uh, be what you call Antifa today. That's the life that he, he was violent. He was uh, starting fires. He was out there trying to destroy people's lives. And he was doing this in, in a good cause. But if you read through the book of Jude, you will see that he, his life changed. He was transformed. And he realized that, you know what, this violence and, and all of this anarchy that he was for, he preaches against, he speaks against under the 
power of the Holy Spirit when you recorded the book of Jude. The two that I want you to to walk away with today and consider the most when we think about uh, this group of guys being divided politically were Matthew and Simon. Matthew was a tax collector. Matthew was a sellout. Matthew betrayed his people. He stole from them and gave it to the Roman government and kept extra for himself. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you had Simon, the zealot. The reason why he was called a zealot was he was doing everything he could. He wanted to be a part of that would destroy the Roman occupation in Israel. And so you look at these 12 men and they couldn't be any more different. And yet Jesus brought them. And thousands of years ago, Jesus called these 12 very different politically men. And here we are today. You know what? We're not that much different. I think we fit that same spectrum. Not just here in this congregation today, but all across southern Illinois. From coast to coast, you will find Christians that identify just like those disciples. All Christ followers, all that believe in the gospel, all that try to live a practical Christian life, and yet if you sat them down at a kitchen table and you talk politics, you find very little in common sometimes. Let me read to you. Why was it that they were able to do this? Here's why. Because Jesus gave them a command. The command that I shared with you last week. And the command was for them to love each other unconditionally. And, and the way that he did this was in John chapter 13 and verse 34. And he said these words right here. As I have loved you. There's the standard. How are we supposed to love each other? The way Jesus loved his disciples. As I have loved you, so you, you at home, must love one another. But he didn't stop there. He continues in the next verse and he says this, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. We were joking earlier uh, this morning and you know, why is it that we have so many different Baptist churches in Centralia? It's because we can't get along. And yet Jesus said to us, by this you'll know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. And so the the three points that I want to give to you today, and these are very easy points, and the number one is, you know what? We will be divided politically. There is no doubt about that, and, and the only ones that won't agree to that, they're ignorant. The reality is that uh, not, and it didn't start in 2021, folks. It didn't start in 2016. We have been divided politically since Jesus walked in Galilee with his disciples. And and I got a newsflash for you. We will be divided politically until Jesus comes back and establish his kingdom here on this earth. And and then a newsflash there, there will still be some who are divided who will separate themselves because the Bible tells us that after a thousand years of Jesus' reign that Satan is loosed on the earth and he pulls together a number that is bigger than than you could count. That would that rise up to fight against Jesus in his earthly kingdom. So not only will we be divided politically, but you know what? We have a command to love unconditionally. It's not an easy command. It's not an easy task 
to follow through on those words. But that is our requirement as a follower of Christ, is to love each other unconditionally. Now, you, you're probably saying, well, wait a second. I thought it said that the greatest commandment was that we were to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our mind, and our soul. I, I'll try that one. But the Bible tells us that you cannot possibly love God if you don't love each other. So we're going to be divided politically. But our command is to love unconditionally. And here's how we do this. The third thing is that we need to pray for unity. Here's the words that Jesus shared in John chapter 17 and verse 20. And he said these words. My prayer is not for them alone. Who's the them? The disciples. And so Jesus is praying. I'm not just praying for my disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who is that? That's us. Everybody since the first century that have come to become a Christ follower because of what the disciples did, that's who Jesus is praying for right there. And now listen to this prayer. And he says in verse 21, that all of them may be one. That all of his 12 dysfunctional disciples who were all over the board politically, that they would be one. That all of the Christians from the first century until the 21st century, that we would learn to be one. That those who are hearing my voice, that those who are worshiping today in October of 2020, or less than three weeks away from uh, an election that you know has many people scared, wondering what, what happens if this or what happens if that. And Jesus Christ is praying that we will be one, that we will have one purpose. And that one purpose is this, to glorify God. See, that started off at the very beginning. Jesus said, allow me to glorify you, Father. And that's what Jesus and that's what God, your creator, expects every one of us to live out, is that we, through our actions, glorify God. You know what I saw yesterday over here? Mass chaos. It was incredible. Um, when We walked out there. Nobody knew what they were doing. There were a bunch of people sanding. There were a bunch of people pounding. There were a bunch of people drilling. But inside that chaos, you know what God saw? He saw that he was being glorified. He saw what unconditional love looked like. Because here's what's interesting. While I was sanding, while I was running boards from one table to another, while I was using the drill press, while I was stacking these beds, not once did I wonder, what is the political persuasion of the person beside me? Not once. I'm confident that I wasn't the only guy that was going around yesterday not worried about, is he a Republican or a Democrat? Is he conservative or a liberal? Are they progressive? <laughs> Not once. Why? Because there was a group of people that was glorifying God through their actions. They were glorifying God with their hands. They were glorifying God with their checkbooks. They were glorifying God. And amidst all that chaos, all of a sudden, the parking lot's empty. Everybody has gone home. 
And over the next weeks and months, there'll be 20 young children in the greater Centralia area that will know that Jesus Christ loves them. That's how we live out one purpose and we glorify God. Not only do we have one purpose, but we have one message. That message is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That message is what we call the good news. What is the good news? The good news is this, that Jesus Christ left his home in heaven. He left his relationship with the Father, and he became a man. He was as much a man as I am. He was as much a human as you are. And he lived a life, and he lived a perfect life. And here's what's interesting. If, if you spend time talking to those who are not in the church or those who don't call themselves a Christ follower, at one point or another, you'll come across somebody and they'll say this, I don't understand. How could a God so loving, a God so caring, a God who cares and loves more than it is love, how could he send a person to hell? It's a good question. How and why would he send somebody to hell? Well, the answer is that he's a just God. But here's what that just God did. That just God knew that Ronnie Tabor, under the best of circumstances, would never, ever be able to live up to the standard that he set. I would never, ever be able to make it to heaven on my own. Impossible. And yet, here's what he did. Because he knew that I couldn't do that. He sent his son to give up his position, to give up his role, to be born of a virgin, to live a perfect life, to be rejected by his hometown, to be rejected by the religion that he grew up in, to be rejected by his followers. And he died on the cross. And he died on the cross. This guy right here. He didn't just die for this guy. John 3.16 said he died for whosoever believeth. And Romans 10 tells us that it is the heart that we believe unto salvation. One purpose, to glorify God. How do we do that? We do that with one message. We share the message of the gospel. Many of you here this morning, you get scared when it comes to sharing your faith. You're afraid that you're going to mess it up. And I'm here to tell you that you can't. You've already done all that. And through God's power, through the Holy Spirit, you have been transformed. And all you have to do is share the message, the common message the simple message of the gospel, of the good news. And you don't even have to be able to figure, I don't know how you get saved. I don't know why you get saved. I just know that Romans 10 tells me that with the heart I believe unto salvation. What about you? And you let the Holy Spirit do the work. But the problem is many of us try to take a, we don't do our job, we get outside of our lane and we try to be the Holy Spirit. And we try to be the Holy Spirit. And here's how you know when you're being the Holy Spirit. When you say words like this. Well, I don't know how they can call themselves a Christian. And vote for. You fill in the blank. 
I don't know how they can call themselves a Christian and not be against you fill in the blank. And so what we are doing when we say those words is we are trying to be the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know we're doing a horrible job. We're failing miserably. And so if we'll stop being the Holy Spirit and instead we'll just be a Christ follower. And instead, we'll just share that one message. What's that one message? The one word is the gospel. If we'll just share the gospel, the good news, even if we don't have a theology degree, even if we think that we're messing it up with these words, here's what you do. You open up God's word and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to them through those words. You know, it's amazing when I was growing up and I watched a football game, every football game had this one idiot And he was standing in the end zone, and I don't know how he got to both sides, but every time there was a field goal getting kicked, this guy was holding something up. Do you all remember what it was? It was John 3.16, that's right. And millions of people over many years saw that. I believe that millions of people one day will be in heaven, and God's going to tap them on the shoulder and tell them that's that's the guy that was holding the sign. Well, today the NFL is making too much money to allow that sign to be put up anymore. But you know what? It doesn't matter because you have the power. You have the ability to go on a social media site right now and put that same sign up. And more people could possibly see that than would have seen the one that was held up years ago in front of a TV. One message. And folks, we have one command. This command is easy. And it's this. To love one another. One purpose, glorify God. One message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one command, to love one another. Even in 2020. Even when COVID-19 is out there. Even if they wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Even if they don't claim the name of Jesus. We're supposed to love one another, even if they're voting different than we do. And so here's what I want to ask you to do. It's one thing, but I want you to do this one thing at least 100 times over the next 23 days. And I would encourage you to not stop after 23 days, but if you could just get it going for the next 23 days, I think we might have something happening. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to pray a prayer. Now, I've told you I want you to pray, but I want you to pray a specific prayer. And we're going to practice it this morning. It's a a very simple prayer. Uh, uh, Here's all you've got to do is you start off this way. Heavenly Father. Will you repeat that? Heavenly Father. One more time. Heavenly Father. Like, that's a great way to start off every prayer. Some of us might start off with God. Some of us start, might start off a different way. But um, I grew up using this. Dear Heavenly Father. It's not that he knows who I'm talking to. It's so that I know who I'm talking to. And so this prayer goes, dear Heavenly Father, make us one. Can you say that? Make us one. One more time. Make us one. Heavenly Father, make us one. Let's put those two together. Heavenly Father, make us one. 
Heavenly Father, make us one. All right, stay with me. Heavenly Father, make us one. Louder. Heavenly Father, make us one. Boy, this is a simple prayer. Why? Well, here's the, the closing. So we can influence many. Say that with me. So we can influence many. So we can influence many. That's why we pray. That's why we have that one message. That one purpose. That one command. So that when you sit down at lunch today and you pray to bless the food, maybe just add this. And Heavenly Father, make us one so that we can influence many. Is that an easy enough prayer to pray? It is. I'm planning on praying that thousands of times between now and 23 days. I don't know what's going to happen in 23 days. But here's what I know is I want God to be able to use me to influence me. No matter what I believe. No matter what they believe. No matter what I think is right. No matter what somebody else believes is right. I want God to use me. Are you ready for God to use you? Stand to your feet. Carrie and Sherry, if you guys have come up, we're going to sing a song in closing. It's a song that we have sang many times if you've grown up around the church. And, and um, I remember the song because in the third grade, our music teacher taught the story behind this song. And he told the story of how that, uh, a very successful, a guy like Bartholomew, who had everything in life. He was successful. He was a lawyer up in Chicago. Life was good. And then bad things started to happen. They had the Chicago fire, and all of the real estate properties he had had burnt down. And, and this was a day when they didn't have insurance like we have it today. And so when they were trying to recover through all that, he decided to send his family on a trip over to Europe. And he got a note back. And he was supposed to catch up to them a month later. He got a note back from his wife. Only I survived. He'd lost his two daughters. And then he penned these words to the song, It Is Well With My Soul. I, I don't know where you're at today. I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I mean, right now, life for Ronnie Tabor is great because I watched a group of people come together and glorify God yesterday. I watched a group of people over in the park come together and walk around praying for those who can't help themselves right now. I watch a group of people who want to live out that one purpose to glorify God with their life, who want to share that one message, and that is the gospel, who want to live out that one command, that is to love each other. But I bet life is hard. Maybe you're not on cloud nine. Maybe you're thinking about a diagnosis that the doctor just gave you.
or worse, gave to somebody that you love. Maybe you're at a point where you're questioning your faith in God. You've read, read the words, but for some reason, the Holy Spirit isn't speaking to you like he's done in the past. Maybe you're at a point where it seems like everything is going wrong in your life. And here's what I want to tell you, that through faith, every one of us can sing these words. It is well with my soul. And so as Carrie and Sherry begin to sing, uh, right after I pray, what I want you to do is, I want you to sing these words to God. Just as we read how Jesus was speaking to God, his Father, I'm going to ask you to speak to that same person, to God, your Heavenly Father. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to be right up here at the front. I would encourage you, come up and talk to me. Allow me to share with you how easy it is. And if you have, take these words, pour them into your heart, and then send them back out to your Heavenly Father. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for a wonderful day. Thank you for an awesome weekend. God, thank you for people who love you. And Lord, I ask that you would help us, that while we are divided politically, just like your disciples were, that God, we will be unified. We will stand together for the, the one message of the gospel. Lord, I pray that you would hear the hearts that are going to cry out to you for what's going on in their life. Lord, I ask you to hear them. And more importantly, Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would confirm to them that you're hearing those words and you're right there with them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life. And we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.